0: listening to the Deep in the Tank podcast with Chris Kidwell
1: and Sam Glover.
0: Sam, Joe Biden and the Democratic Party have named Kamala Harris as the potential vice presidential uh, pick. There, they, She is their vice presidential nominee. She'll be on the same ticket as Joe Biden in a move that... Somewhat flummoxes me uh, to a certain extent. Um, I think she was regarded as being a possibility. I am a little surprised that she is the pick, mostly because I don't really know what she acts. Uh, I, I understand that from an optic standpoint, she brings some diversity. I believe she is
1: Jamaican and Indian.
0: Right. And so she is the first uh, Asian American nominee uh, for vice president. I believe that's correct. Um, She is uh, a black woman running on the ticket, which I believe this is the first time that's happened as well. And so I understand the optics of why she would be on the ticket. What I don't understand is any other reason why she would be on the ticket. I don't know what she brings as far as, uh, ideology and popularity. Um, she is extremely unpopular among many democratic voters, uh, especially because of her record on, uh, criminal justice.
1: Absolutely. Uh,
0: And, so Sam, can you explain this to me? Because I, I'm pretty confused. Uh, frankly, I'm pretty confused that they didn't get someone a little bit more progressive uh, than she uh, or, or someone a little bit more popular. That the fact that neither of those things happen uh, really, like I said, it just flummoxes me.
1: Right. Well, firstly, Tulsi Gabbard didn't risk her career for this. So, uh, and, uh, I say that as like with Tulsi being the, the one Democrat I respect despite my disagreements with her. So, uh, she can, she can put that on her advertising blurbs if she feels so inclined. Uh, hi Tulsi, uh, big fan. But, uh, but, uh, more seriously, I'm with you in that it's, it's flummoxing. I understand that she has been, she has, she has a lot of name recognition, whether that's good or bad, but at the same time, I'm going to be honest, what a lot of this boils down to, I think, is that uh, she has been a vocal critic of Trump and some of his allies, and the Democratic uh, Party's uh, strategy this year seems to be the inversion of the Republicans uh, last election cycle, which was, of course, as you'll remember, well, our candidate's not Hillary Clinton. So, yeah. Whereas for Democrats this time around, it's our candidate isn't Donald Trump. Yeah, there's questions about the presidential nominee's cognitive abilities and his actual ability to lead and govern, that sort of thing. Yeah, the vice presidential pick literally championed parents getting put in prison because their kids wouldn't show up to school on time, and also like was hard on nonviolent drug offenders, which is a big deal now and rightfully so. But hey, neither of them are the orange man that is bad. But uh, beyond that, I'm not sure what else, except for the fact that biden painted himself in a corner when he said that his his pick for his running mate would be a woman of color that knocked out elizabeth warren despite her claims to be native american uh, that knocks out someone like bernie of course and i don't think bernie would have taken a nod to be vp under biden anyway uh, that knocks out uh, Policy, of course, as much as that breaks my heart. And obviously it knocks out Hillary as well, and good riddance, I say. But that left people like Susan Rice and Stacey Abrams. Most people's reaction to Susan Rice that aren't very clued in is literally who? Question mark exclamation point. And Stacey Abrams is still contesting the results of the Georgia gubernatorial race, so she can't run for VP because she's got to get that figured out. And th- that's a joke, by the way, for someone that might not catch up on that. But
0: so the Babylon Bee posted an article, we um, will say a couple of days ago, or it might have been the day after the nomination was made public.
1: I think I know exactly Uh, what you're you're referring to.
0: Stacey Abrams graciously accepts uh, vice presidential nomination or something to that effect. I love that. uh, So you mentioned Tulsi. Um, It's worth noting, I actually voted for her in the primary. Good. Um, I I haven't been that public with that. Now, to be clear, uh, because and primarily because of her uh, staunch stance on abortion. I there's no way I could vote for her in in the general. Sure,
1: understandable. Uh,
0: but I showed up at the primary location, um, and I knew that I wasn't going to get a cast get to cast a re-vote, a revote a vote for a uh, Republican because the Republican primary is closed. Right. Um, what I did not realize was that there was no Libertarian primary, uh, at least not in Oklahoma. Uh, or if there was, I would to Yeah, went the way that
1: like Libertarian, the Libertarian Party is weird about that. They don't, their primaries and that sort of thing are done differently. I don't fully understand
0: their procedures. Yeah. Um,
1: but I, uh, so I showed up and
0: there was a question about, I think it was a, about, there were two questions I think on the ballot that there was the Democratic presidential primary uh, as a question. Um, and I believe we were a Super Tuesday state, so I went out and did that on Super Tuesday. And then there was a question, uh, a local question about alcohol sales uh, in liquor stores, and I don't remember the specifics of that. I did. Well, at the you time. voted yes. I uh, <laughs> uh, I I think I voted no. It was some law that was going to make it harder on liquor stores, which and I may have actually mentioned uh, way back when we started the podcast, like. I, uh, I, you know, the libertarian in me says, sure, whatever, they can do what they want. And then right. the, the person who witnesses the world around me sees how much pain that liquor stores, dedicated liquor stores have caused. Right. And I don't mind them being inhibited a little bit, even if I mind the entity that's doing it being the one who does it. Um, but, right, uh, you know, and so I got there and it's a democratic primary and I there's this list of names, and he, a couple of them even I didn't recognize. Of course, on Super Tuesday, you only had, I think, three or four candidates total left in the race. Um,
1: right, and, down from 11,000.
0: Right, and Tulsi was the only one on there uh, who had, you know, she's the only one on there with, as far as I'm concerned, any real sense of integrity. Um, Absolutely. And so I had, I ended up voting for her. It was more of a protest vote than anything. Um, but you know, it's, it's something where, like I said, I can't vote for her in the general. I would never vote for her, uh, because of her ideology when, when she were actually, uh, up for a a political office. But, uh, I got a, I've got a massive amount of respect for what she did, uh, during the primary, um, you know, it, she it's single-handedly
1: thinking, ended Kamala Harris's presidential run, for which I am forever grateful.
0: And that's the thing, Kamala Harris. She she was out before the primary started, before any of them started. Um, and so she, I mean, I I just I just don't get it. Um, they had an opportunity to bring in someone who would energize their base. They could have brought in someone that you and I would have hated uh, to see on the ticket because of their ideology. And, and to be clear, I don't think either of us are Kamala Harris fans.
1: No, uh, absolutely not.
0: But um, you know, someone uh, like a Bernie, like an Elizabeth Warren, like, uh, you know, Cory Booker jumps to mind here uh you know someone who Cory
1: Booker's not a serious candidate don't, well, don't even
0: no but you know the the other thing is um Kamala Harris made her name at least on a national level in the Justice Kavanaugh hearings right um and and I'm guessing some of that will get brought back up in the in the election as a result but you know I I'm I'm very confused as to the angle uh, because what I am anticipating is very low voter turnout. Uh, and that that's largely uh I say largely, that's going to be influenced heavily by the pandemic for sure. Certainly. Uh And reflected in that very low enthusiasm. Like if you're not super excited about one of your candidates, you're not going to go out and vote. Right. Trump, Uh, Trump is rather unpopular, but the people that like him love him.
1: Oh, yeah. That's the thing.
0: And and other people will go out and vote for Trump because he's not the pro-choice candidate. Uh, And that'll be the only reason they go out and vote.
1: Or even if they're not specifically, oh, well, the other one's pro-choice, it'll just be, I just can't stand Joe Biden and Kamala Harris or even if they could tolerate Joe Biden a lot of people uh, are starting to get this idea that pretty much if Biden wins it's going to be he gets sworn in immediately invokes the 25th amendment and Kamala gets sworn in like before he even has time to turn around and walk back to his chair they'll be bringing Kamala up to swear her in to take over.
0: You know, I just, this feels like an establishment pick more than anything else. It
1: is absolutely. Um, 100%.
0: This, you know, I also saw the Babylon B joke, uh, headline something to the effect of, um, uh, Joe Biden, pleasantly surprised to learn of Uh, Kamala Harris is his vice presidential pick.
1: Oh, no. If you look at like there's a there are photos of them talking, I believe they're using a video conference app of some sort Mm -hmm. and two things stick out. One, you can clearly see that he has everything that he wanted to say written down Two, he is speaking into his phone while Kamala is on screen in front of him. So it's he had to write this down and he doesn't like he doesn't get how the technology works. Yeah. So like you know, I, I don't I don't like to joke about dementia or things like that because I get the, those those very serious things that cause a lot of pain and heartache. But sure. that man's brain is rotting inside of his skull.
0: Well, you know, what I was sort of getting at is maybe it was written as a joke about his cognitive abilities um, and and like you said of course it it dementia or whatever else might be going on there it does cause a lot cause a lot of heartaches uh, but even independent of that I'm not sure that even if he does have you know 100 of his cognitive faculties uh, available to him I'm not sure that this was ever going to be his pick anyway Uh, This this feels very much like a, you know, you're winning this and you're winning this because we're backing you. You remember how all the other candidates outside of a couple dropped out right before Super Tuesday? You remember how Klobuchar dropped out, which, by the way, Klobuchar, I think if you're going to pick someone who isn't super radical, Klobuchar would have been the perfect pick uh, for a moderate Democrat ticket.
1: Yeah, Uh, but she like assaults her staffers and eats salad with a comb so what you don't know about this no (laughs) good okay which part do you not know about more like Uh,
0: neither but i can tell you which story i'm more interested in
1: okay so like very quick the like assaults her staffers thing can very be easily be explained of like she would like periodically like throw binders and th- like she doesn't like outright punch people. She works for things like that, but she would throw like binders and things like that at her staffers when she was frustrated with them. But once when they were on the campaign trail, I don't remember if it was a senatorial race or if it was actually during the beginning of the primary, they were getting on a plane and she sent one of her staffers to go get like to go grab a salad for her from like the plant, the airport food, food, food court, excuse me fairly standard whatever I would have gone and gotten it myself but whatever I don't have people working for me so I, I I'm not really in that position to judge that that's that's immaterial guy comes back and he forgot to get a fork whatever if you're running like because when you're in an airport the only thing you're thinking about is please God don't let me miss that plane. Because then I will get to watch hundreds of dollars fly off into the sunset without me. So it's a big to-do. So I imagine the guy was rushed. He just grabbed the salad, paid for it, and ran to get back on the plane. He gets on, hands the salad to her, and she's like, well, like, where's the silverware? And he's like, oh, I must have forgotten. And he start, she starts just laying into him about it, and then, like, pulls a comb like out of her purse, starts eating the salad with a comb, and after she's done, hands it to another one of her staffers and tells her to clean it for her. Huh. Yeah. So since then, I have looked at Amy Klobuchar differently, and this is going to sound awful, but when I look at that woman, here are my thoughts. Whatever her politics are, she is the kind of person that if you say no to her, she'll play it off really nicely and be nice to you in the moment. Then when she gets home, she's gonna put her own cat in a microwave because she's so mad at you. Like yeah. she's like suburban mom crazy. And that that's a kind of crazy I don't wanna mess with. <laughs> Cause I don't wanna get beaten with ice skates.
0: Sure. Um, I, you know, it's something where it, part of the reason I said that about her, about her being the perfect ticket is in part because Klobuchar and Biden actually like each other.
1: Yeah, that's fair.
0: I mean, and there aren't many Democrats who actively like Biden. Um, remember, Obama didn't endorse him until the uh, until until his nomination was inevitable.
1: And there are viable explanations for that, including you would look like a moron if you endorse someone and then they dropped out. So like, I get waiting, but it, it does put him in a bad light when it's like the guy he ran with twice wouldn't even endorse him right out the gate. Yeah.
0: Four but. years ago, we were we were posting memes about Obama and Biden and how close their relationship was. And. You know, because they they genuinely did seem to have, probably during my lifetime and maybe this century or this century, within the past century, um, the closest relationship between president and vice president we've ever had. um, They, you know, they certainly uh, appeared at least, and I don't know what it is in reality, but those optics matter. They do. Uh, They certainly appeared. They certainly appeared closer than (laughs) Bush and Cheney did.
1: Well, and, yeah, uh, because, like, Bush, for any flaws, isn't exactly going to be buddy-buddy with, like, the walking embodiment of Darth Vader that is Dick Cheney. Yeah. That's, uh,
0: you know, not many guys get to get away with shooting someone in the face, but it's uh... And having we, the it,
1: guy he shot apologize.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, man, I I cannot wait. Uh, for the for the Amazon miniseries on that on on his vice presidency. Wait, Maybe is that Netflix. a thing that's
1: happening? No, but I, oh, okay.
0: it needs to. That it would be awesome.
1: To. Like, because if it's anything like Vice, like I one I really enjoyed that movie. I'm not sure I can recommend it because it's a bit spicy. But it was one of those. By the end, it was like I hate Cheney. Politically with every fiber of my being Because he has everything about republicanism That I despise But I like the man And I respect his ability to get things done Because he's yeah. a nut job yeah.
0: So um, Speaking of nut jobs I don't know why Kamala Harris Is the vice presidential candidate On the democratic ticket um, I mean Who knows Maybe maybe there'll be an opportunity to debate Pence and she'll crush Pence. I kind of doubt it. Um, you know, Pence is, uh, the one Pence, Pence is a fine vice president. Like he's very, uh, you know, there's, there's not a lot there to either like or hate. Right. Um, I, I, like, I like the fact that we actually have, a candidate for political office who's now actually serving, uh, who ran on uh, ran by and large on family values. There are plenty of people who voted for Trump just because they like Pence so much. Um, yep, I almost who ha- did. Who hasn't? Uh, you know, he's not actually done something to betray that, as far as I can tell. Um, you know, there's no big scandal that comes out uh, about Pence. People have to make fun of, you know, his unwillingness to. Eat uh, alone with other women uh, that aren't his wife because they don't really have a lot else there to assassinate character wise. Right. Um, What I'm getting at though is Pence is is very level headed. Um, He's not the kind of person that's going to try and shout over you, uh, whereas Kamala Harris very much is. Oh my goodness. Oh, yeah. Um, And so, you know, we'll see what happens if they get a chance to debate, which you know the concept of a political debate in 2020 would be very interesting um still you know, waiting
1: I, for that biden trump debate cuz oh, yeah i cool. don't
0: i don't think that's going to happen i don't oh, think i they...
1: need it like because the thing is i'm i've made a similar joke before but like you could just take the audio of that and make a death grips album out of it and it would just oh it would just the chaos in my blood would sing if that could happen.
0: <laughs> I I don't think the Democratic Party can allow Biden to get on a stage at all uh, with Trump. I just, you're
1: right, but just oh please, like please, I'm begging for it. So, um,
0: we'll see. I I I mean I the next three months. Uh, you know, we've got less than three months. We have less than three months until the election. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, this is where we're at. We have Kamala Harris as the VP candidate. Um, you know, this, I know we say this, it feels like most elections, but the past two really, really drive the point home for me. Um, if we're ever going to have a third party step up, it it this year would have been a great year, which I like Joe Jorgensen fine. Um, I but yeah. you know it's already too late for that candidacy uh, to be taken seriously on a national lever right. level. level. Um, yeah, we'll yeah. we'll see what ends up happening. And she's but. had
1: some minor PR missteps, and she got bit by a bat like last week too.
0: That is a very liber- libertarian party thing to say. What other, no, party... like literally, no, like... no, I, I, I understand it's a literal thing that happened. I understand that there's a real bat there. Uh, do you think Joe Biden or Donald Trump are going to get bit by a bat in the next three months?
1: No, but... no. Oh. Oh, no, they're that... not going
0: to be close to bats.
1: Well, I mean, like she was like out in like the uh, an open air like rally thing, I guess, but because I, I just saw that she had to get a rabies test because she got bit by a bat, and I was just like, "What? <laughs> How does this happen in 2020?
0: Yeah, no, it's it's it, it, of course it's going to happen to the third party candidate. Why, you know, I. Uh, mm. So speaking of the election, and I'm going to let you take the lead with this. Um, there've been a lot of a hubbub about, uh, mail-in balloting, um, mail-in voting, uh, from really all sides to where you you've got two different beliefs. One that's basically got to do with, uh, the idea that mail-in balloting is extremely fraudulent, and we touched on that just a little bit last week, but now um, we'll see what happens with the United States Postal Service, which has somehow been the dominant topic uh, of the past week or so, uh, to the point where you've had public defenses of the USPS uh you know almost tearful public defenses in the past few weeks and but especially this past week sam i can you explain to me what in the world is going on uh last week was kind of nuts on a personal level uh with with kelsey you know getting started at a new school and all this kind of stuff and so i'm a little concerned i may have missed something can can you be sure that i didn't hear real quick
1: all right so the long and short of it is uh Like, people are convinced that Trump is trying to, like, sabotage the Postal Service. Which, if he were, I'd be down for that. But that's neither here nor there. But, um, anyway. Uh, there has been a downtick of USPS services. Like, the blue boxes are being removed in certain locations. Things like that. And, like, people are seeing, like... Trucks actually towing the mail trucks and things like that. In fact, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, that actress that uh, the only thing I can think of off the top of my head that she was in was Freaky Friday w- alongside Lindsay Lohan, of all things.
0: She's been in a lot, but I, I know her as the yogurt lady. She's
1: well, a yeah, lot of yogurt too. commercials. But yeah, so she was in Activia commercials. But anyway, so... Lindsay Lohan's mom in Freaky Friday posted on Twitter this photo of a red tow truck carrying a Postal Service like truck. In and of itself, okay, whatever, it broke down. A lot of those trucks are closing in on 40 years old. Like It's a miracle that they don't just explode every time you look at them because they're ancient. Like There are trucks that are older than either of us that they're still using. But they were built really well, is why they're still using them in part, and also because the U- the postal service isn't financially solvent. They don't make money much like anything else in government. They just take it. But anyway, and so she posts like I-, I I'm almost certain that I saw a red. I saw this driver wearing a red hat with white letters, like they're they're trying to steal post office equipment and stuff so that the post office can't do their jobs because they're trying to steal the election. And I just remember reading that and things like, did the probiotics in the the Activia that you eat because you get paid to, like, cause you to develop a flesh-eating bacteria in your stomach that got to your brain, Jamie Lee Curtis? Like, what are you on about? Because people don't realize this, but... The post office, like the United States Postal Service, because it actually has competition, is expected to reach financial, like near total financial insolvency next year or like late this year, like December this year at the earliest. And because they don't get because they're gradually like not getting as much business because they have competition they're reducing their services, they're reducing the amount of blue boxes, that sort of thing. At their peak, there were 400,000 of those blue post boxes across the United States. Now, there are 160,000 and decreasing because people aren't using the post office as much because, again, they have competition. Uh, FedEx, even though FedEx is a competitor with them, FedEx actually has a multi-billion dollar contract with the post office to do some delivery work for them. They also have competition with UPS uh, and um, there are other courier services, I'm sure, that compete with them. And because those places are cheaper, they tend to provide more quality, more consistently in their service and product. People don't go to the post office unless they have to. People don't use the post office unless they have to, because their thinking is why do that when I can pay FedEx or UPS a lower price for a better product.
0: It's worth noting. um, I'm going to push back just a hair here. I'm going to (laughs) sit up actually. Uh, I'm going to push back just a hair here. The, uh, that, the idea that UPS and FedEx are cheaper by and large, that's true. Uh, I, I do believe with smaller packages, however, um, you're going to often find, uh, your best rates with, uh, with the postal service, whereas you're going to have, you're going to have a hard time, uh, sending anything with FedEx or UPS for less than a couple of dollars. Whereas, you know, with, with letters, um, and, uh, other smallish packages, you can routinely do that. Um, yeah. You know, but I, also, I buy- go
1: ahead go ahead uh very sorry to interject uh you're right and in fact that's where that where the post office makes most of their money so mm-hmm. that is 100 percent a fair point however that is also in part due to the fact that technically it's not really enforced anymore like except on a very like person-to-person basis like a Postmaster, if they see you doing this, they'll say, hey, technically that's a felony. Please don't do that. If you are not a U.S. postal employee acting on behalf of the USPS, you're not technically supposed to put things in a mailbox, like a person's mailbox. That is only for USPS mail. Obviously, again, of course, FedEx puts small packages in there all the time. No one cares because, again, it's not really enforced. And in fact, as best I've been able to figure out, that was largely uh, enacted to force one Lysander Spooner out of business. Because good old Lysander Spooner, a anarchist, a abolitionist, Unitarian Christian, who also is largely and partially responsible for the Sunday school movement also tried to start his own courier service to compete with the post office and they forced him out of business because he was running circles around them. So yeah, all of that. There, there was a lot there to unpack. I hopefully didn't derail you too hard.
0: No, I, I was going to say, you know, it's something where, uh, I, I, have a few niche concerns about that. Um, yeah. I, uh, I buy and sell, uh, collectibles occasionally on eBay. I kind of do it in waves, uh, right. uh, trading cards, uh, different things like that. Um, and the post office is about the only reasonable way to do that because if you're seeing, if you're sending like a single card across the country, you can reasonably do that off of one stamp. Right. Um, you know, and so obviously that doesn't provide you the protection that shipping it with tracking, you know, in a padded envelope would, would do, but you can do that. And that's, uh, that's how smaller things, maybe thing uh, items less than $15 or so uh, get sent. And so, uh, I am not necessarily, uh, for or against, um, you know, the post office going out of business as it were, uh, because I do believe that private competitors would step in and step up in that regard if there's a market there. Um, and I would assume also that if the post office, uh, if the post office did go away, that all of a sudden, um, you know, your mailboxes would actually revert back to uh, your own ownership. Because my understanding of mailboxes is right now uh, that a mailbox, even if you buy it and set it up in your front yard, that mailbox is the uh, property of the federal government. Um, You know, certainly it's contents Uh, uh, are, are, are to an extent, you know, uh, as we've said, the, the idea it's only for federal government use. And so, uh, there may be some nuance I need to add to that language. Um, I would assume right. that would either revert back or something else would take its place. Um, you know, because I say the federal government wouldn't uh, wouldn't uh, keep a hold on something that they're never going to use again. But it's the federal government. There's no telling what they're going to do. Oh yeah, I know. So,
1: right, and that all of that is fair, and you are correct about the. I don't know how the ownership aspect of it works precisely, but for legal purposes, for instance, like, you know, the old like, trope about going smashing mailboxes. If you do that and get caught, you can straight up go to prison, if my memory serves. Mm-hmm. Like, unless you are a teenager or a child, they will straight up put you in prison, because it's federal at that point. Like, I know a, kid, a guy... In, uh, a guy in high school that I, like we went to high school together he got in a lot of trouble because he got caught smashing mailboxes and they take it very seriously because it's right. the federal government so but all of that to say like there's concerns about solvency because again the government doesn't make money they are not profitable they can only take and they' because it's such a giant network, even if it weren't the government, such a massive network of things like that is difficult to run efficiently Sure. So
0: well and, and I've seen the argument um I've seen the argument that well it's okay that the postal service loses money because it is a service um and and you pay for things that aren't necessarily uh that aren't necessarily going to bring you back in money because you think it's important to have them um you know and the primary example of that would be the US government which is a huge expenditure Uh, and isn't necessarily solvent. I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know the details at all about the uh, U.S. military's uh, budget. Um, And I I can be on board with that to a certain extent, uh, uh, but what we're seeing right now with the Postal Service is some massive inefficiencies, both in budget and in operation, um, to the point where you know, uh, something very clearly needs to happen. I mean, most people uh, who have had to deal with the Postal Service more than two or three times a year have had an experience where they've had a package that should just go in a straight line. Um, You know, I live in Oklahoma City uh, or just outside of it. And so I would expect if I were mailing something to Dallas for a package to go to from Oklahoma City to Dallas without going really anywhere else, Um, but you know, because it's the postal service, it also wouldn't surprise me to see that package end up in Seattle and Detroit before it made its way to Dallas. Right. And, and I think that's where the rub is, is it's massively inefficient, um, you know, financial solvency issues are, are, are one thing. Like if we wanted to just simply say, even if I disagree with the philosophy at a base level, if we just simply said, okay, you know, we're going to pay for this. We understand it's not going to pay for itself. That's okay. Uh, you know, we're just going to have this service and this is what we're going to do. Um, I would understand it as long as the thing that we are paying for with our tax dollars is actually efficient. But it's not. It's clearly not. And it's why when Trump talks about, uh, you know, the USPS being problematic with regard to mail-in balloting, it's why he's not completely off base. There are right. some legitimate concerns there. Um, that's that's not to suggest that he's not exaggerating. Of course he's exaggerating. Have right. You know, if you've heard him speak twice, you know he's exaggerating.
1: He's exaggerated three times if you've heard him speak twice.
0: Yes, that's that's Right. Uh, sort of, but he, uh, he, he's, <laughs> yeah. You know, there, there are some real inefficiency issues there and there are problems no matter what happens moving forward that would need to be solved. Um, you know, you've got, you've got the very real problem of the post office is uh, uh, it, the demolition uh, and destruction of the post office would leave, just leave some rural communities to be underserved more than likely. Uh, Cause yeah. USPS and FedEx are only going to do what is uh, financially profitable for them uh, with regard to massive changes. Um, you know, is, is there a system that works out where some of those companies who do the job better could receive government subsidies to go into those areas and that's how we could have the service. I don't know. Maybe I've thought about that a little bit and maybe that makes sense to me more so than one of the most inefficient services the government has ever been a part of running everything um but you know that's just a theory a male theory and so Uh,
1: i don't get the reference what (laughs) no i i'm i'm kidding i i do that to people when they make a really obvious reference i'll laugh and then say i don't get it all
0: right good good you made me feel weird there man um And so we'll, we'll see what ends up happening with the postal service, but I, I'm not sure exactly what the answer is. I definitely have some ideas, uh, about that, but you know, this, this feels like, you know, Trump, Trump talking about not liking it or having an issue with one particular aspect and maybe exaggerating it a little bit. And then, you know, the left Um, and in this case, it was very much an actress in Hollywood sort of leading the charge, but you've got people on the other side, um, you know, exaggerating his exaggeration and basically saying, you know, we don't know if we'll have a post office in a month. Are you kidding?
1: Yeah, that, that's a bit extreme. Like even like the hard line, like anarcho-capitalist in me that says, nah, privatize it all. Isn't over here? Like, yeah, let's just switch a, let's just flip a switch and have it all private all tomorrow because that would be abject chaos. Hmm.
0: But you know, it's uh, we'll have to see what ends up happening. Um,
1: right. So. Now that said, though, there are legitimate issues with the question of mail-in ballots, and that's what this all boils around with because of the pandemic. There are questions about will we be able to safely go to our community centers and other locations and vote in person. Uh, Dr. Fauci seems to be on the side of yes, absolutely. And like, if my if I understand and remember rightly, his line of argument was like, if you can go grocery shopping, you can vote. Like, it's not really that's not going to be a huge deal. Like, as long as everything's kind of done to borrow some of our church language, decently and in good order. It shouldn't be a problem. But there are still going to be people for a variety of reasons who don't feel comfortable doing so. And so in states that allow it, they're going to request a mail-in ballot, which is fine in and of itself. But it is not as widespread as some people want to act like, but there are instances of voter fraud. Uh, I want to say the DOJ is pursuing cases about that as we speak. Uh, So it does happen. It's not like every other vote is fraudulent or some nonsense like that, but it does happen. But also there are questions about if those things, if those ballots can get where they need to go on time, both ways, because that ballot has to be at the place that it's supposed to go. Like we'll say the drop off point just for ease of reference it has to be there the day of the election to be counted. Otherwise, it's not going to get counted. Right. And then, if, like, let's say the election is November 3rd this year, correct?
0: I think that's right.
1: If a truckload of ballots come in the 4th, too bad. They can't be counted. The election's over. And that's going to create problems. And that's going to understandably upset a lot of people because even if it doesn't change the outcome that's going to be a whole swath of people who say wait a minute my vote was basically thrown in the trash i didn't get to voice my opinion on this matter and that's not fair and and i understand that even set aside my difficulties and my opinions about the legitimacy of voting, especially in a democratic way. Set that aside. If we are going to be in a system where we accept the legitimacy of a majority decision or a electoral majority decision, the people that actually choose to participate need to have their voices represented. Mm -hmm. And so there's that. There's also the question of can the post office get them there in time? As far as workload, I don't believe it would be a problem because I've seen the numbers they handle well over a billion packages a day. And so if my, my memory serves like the math was worked out of like, if everyone, like if you just take everyone that voted last term, it's about 150 million people. And they, we all did mail in ballots. That would only account for 30% of the UPS's workload that day. And so they'd be able to handle that. So as far as workload and capacity, it's not the problem. It's will people request their ballots in time? Will people send their ballots back in time? And will the system get things where it's supposed to be in time? Right. On top of concerns, both legitimate and exaggerated, about voter fraud. Because that's going to go one way or another. And I would bet dollars to donuts that November 4th, if Biden wins, Republicans are going to call foul because of voter fraud. If Trump wins, Democrats are going to call foul because of voter fraud. And there's precedent for that already because Abrams, I joked about it earlier, but she contested the results of the Georgia gubernatorial race for about a month, if my memory serves. And her claim was voter suppression. And that's another issue that I think gets overly complicated and I think kind of tips Democrats' hands about what they really think of minority persons. But that's neither here nor there. So there, there are legitimate issues. That I don't think have just very easy solutions, but like it's one of those we'll have to see how it plays out. But Trump, of course, inflames and it makes it worse when he says, "And this is a really bad impression of him." I know. Well, if there's um, if there's no USPS, then we can't do mail-in ballots at all. We'll have a free and fair election where everyone will have to show up and cast their vote themselves. It'll be huge.
0: I we're gonna hear about this uh, through like next January, aren't we?
1: Yeah. Good. If Good. if not later.
0: Good. That's what I wanted to have happen. <laughs> oh well. Um. So I, I want to draw your attention uh, to something and. I, it's something I've, I've been just doing little scrolling and, uh, I, I came across an article. Um, it's actually written, it's a blog post written by a guy I was a classmate with of however you want to say that is one of my classmates at Oklahoma Christian. Um, a guy named Cole Fikes and he wrote an article, uh, possibility and actuality, uh, Kamala Harris and religious conservatives. Um, and basically the the premise of the title, at least is, you know, typically the possibility of something is viewed more favorably than the actuality of something. Um, you know, the vice presidential pick for Biden, even as pessimistic as I might've been about it would have been better in possibility was better in possibility than in actuality when Kamala Harris was selected. Um, But he goes, there's a section of this where he goes into Harris and religion. What's the relationship between Kamala Harris and religion? And, you know, he talks about first how Biden, you know, claims Roman Catholicism, even though he's been uh, denied communion at different Roman Catholic churches over his views on abortion.
1: Which is Um, a huge deal in Roman Catholicism. That can't be understated.
0: It, it, it is, um, you know, and if you're if you're going to try and run um, for president uh, and you're going to be pro-choice, um, you're going to have a hard time getting any Catholic vote, any significant chunk. Of course, you've got Catholics who aren't particularly devout, uh, but, you know, that's that's a huge deal. Um, and it's reflected in that, uh, but in the second paragraph of this section, uh, it just sums up a lot of a lot of what I think about this quite nicely. Uh, Cole writes, "If Biden wanted to alienate religious conservatives, he could not have chosen any better than Harris." And he goes into yeah. uh, the discussion of abortion, the fact that he or that she prosecuted uh, David. I think it's. Dale Iden, uh, he's the undercover guy that exposed Planned Parenthood for selling organs from aborted fetuses. Um, he, notably, she investigated, uh, the guy who exposed those things rather than the things themselves. Um, well,
1: one of them exposed the systematic murder, butchering, and selling of human beings the other gives hundreds of millions of dollars to democrats so
0: right right and so you, know, you look at that and it's like yeah I'm, i mean i don't know that i disagree with that particular premise at all i you know she's she's not doing anything to earn my vote because i i cannot imagine you know i opened it up by saying i'm i'm flummoxed at the decision i'm going to walk back that statement just a hair and say i'm flummoxed at it unless the entire point was to anger people like me right and that that could be a real point is it's like you know making a statement we don't want your vote here's what we stand for um there is there's a sense of authenticity to that um even if that authenticity is built on something that is absolutely horrific. And so I I don't know. Um, I'm, we're having this discussion now. I hope we don't have to talk about the, the, uh, the post office ever again. Um, (laughs) Because if it does, if we do, it means that something will have actually happened. And I, I don't know. Uh, You got anything else you want to, you want to talk about? Uh, I I am going to bring up one or two things just briefly in closing here.
1: No, I think I've got about everything covered that I would like to.
0: All right. Uh, very briefly, before we close, we uh, Sam and I were chatting uh, before we started the podcast, and, and we made mention of the fact that uh, there's a preacher uh, who we've both interacted with, uh, Steve Higginbotham. Uh, I believe he's with the Carnes Church of Christ in East Tennessee, and maybe is with the East Tennessee School of Preaching, too. Um, he was just diagnosed with uh, stage four cancer in several different areas. Um, we don't know what the prognosis is yet. He doesn't know at least at this point uh, what the prognosis is yet. He should be getting that information soon. Um, but we definitely uh, want to express our our you know our prayers for him absolutely uh, concern for him uh, but I think both of us are quite impressed with him and, and the work that he's done. He's spoken out here in Oklahoma city a few times. I've heard him elsewhere a few times and uh, I've I've got nothing but respect uh, for the man. He's, he's very impressive. uh, Absolutely.
1: I 100% percent co sign with no reservations. I uh, saw the post and uh, obviously even like Kamala Harris could come out today and say, I've been diagnosed with, Stage four cancer and multiple, and that would break my heart for her because that is just a devastating diagnosis to receive. So it could have been literally anyone, and if I had heard about it, I I would hate that for them. But uh, uh, uh our good brother Stephen, uh, I've I've in my very few interactions with him, I'm sorry to say that I don't know him personally. Uh, I've always been impressed by him and have appreciated his character and. I think that was indicated in part by the fact that when he made the announcement publicly on Facebook, it was his focus was on, I, I would I would appreciate it if you, if you would pray for my family uh, because hey. I'm fine, but they're not going to be like, this is going to be hard for them.
0: So. Yep, yep. And we can definitely do that and we definitely will. So, um, all right. Uh, You've been listening to the deep in the tank podcast. We'll see you next time.